0: Okay, so um, you know, a lot of times we make announcements, and and you can look at um, you can look at your bulletin. So get get this right here out, because I know a lot of times we'll start reading something or tell you about something, and you'll be reading it. So I just I'm excited today. We have a guest speaker today, and I am honored and blessed to be able to to be part of this today. You guys are part of something that is bigger than ourselves. Can I get an amen? You know when you when you attach to the kingdom of God when you become a believer and follower of Christ all of a sudden you're attached to something larger than anything in the universe come on somebody and that's that's pretty big but I I am honored I'm gonna read through this and just give you a couple personal um, thoughts but here's our guest speaker today Ted Estes everybody there you got it you can follow along with me because if I start reading it you'll be following along with me anyway Ted and his wife, Jenny, have been married for 40 years and coming right up on 40 years. Let's give the Lord some praise for that. They have pastored Life Changer Church in Claremore, Oklahoma, since 1984. They have two grown sons, David and James, who are also full-time pastoral ministry. Ted holds a BS in biblical studies and psychology, oh, excuse me, philosophy, a minister of divinity, and a Minister, a doctorate of ministries from Oral Roberts University. We got any ORU fans in the house today? He has also completed six and a half units of clinical pastoral education and is recognized as a hospital chaplain. Ted is a member of the faculty of Oral Roberts University of Theology, School of Theology, and World Missions. He's also the vice president of independent assemblies and participates in the Claremore Ministerial Alliance and the Greene County uh, Pastor's Prayer. Ted's ministered and taught both nationally and internationally, and his heart is for missions and for training pastors. He's participated in leadership conferences in Russia, the Ivory Coast, Honduras, Costa Rica, the Philippines, Albania, Zimbabwe, and on several occasions has ministered with me in, in the Ivory Coast. And um, I just want to take just a minute to tell you a little bit about Pastor Ted. These are the credentials, and that is wonderful, and he's, he is a man of God. No, you didn't hear what I said. He is a man of God. And the first time we got a chance to meet each other, we were, went to Africa and we went to, um, we went to the Ivory Coast and we were able to do a leadership uh, teaching with uh, many pastors in Yamasukuro. We were talking about it in the United Nations building and it was very humbling. But Pastor Dr. Ted Estes is a man of God. He and Ginny have a heart for God. They have a heart for you, and Claremore, Oklahoma is blessed to have them, and we are blessed to have you here today. I want you to know they also love Living Word Fellowship, too. Amen? So let's give a great big Woodward welcome, a great big Northwest Oklahoma welcome from the east. We bring to you Pastors Ted and his wife, Jenny.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Hey, thank you so much. God bless you. Uh, i'm just gonna I, i always let my wife warm up the crowd for me hallelujah so this is my wife jenny i want to bring her up right now just let her greet you and share whatever god's put in her heart
2: Bless you! We're so glad to be here this this morning. Um, We've come to visit Pastor before, but never been here for the church. I've known Pastor Eric, um, Apostle Eric, through OAPN for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. And then he um, crossed paths with my husband in Africa. And then I find out that Shelley um, knows a good friend of ours, Pastor Jerry Edmond, who's in Elgin, Texas. I thought. You know, isn't it interesting how it, all these different threads weave together with people in the kingdom of God? I have a couple of different things I'm going to share with you real quickly. I don't know exactly where to go first, but I'm going to share this um, little bit of a story with you. Um, <clears throat> I was critically ill about two years ago and almost almost died. My I didn't know I was so sick. I just thought I had the flu or something, but my husband took me finally to the emergency room, and when I got there, the doctor said, it's a good thing you got her in here. She was just hours from death, and I had my eyes closed, but I could hear him, and I thought, well, I didn't see any bright lights, no face of the Savior, no departed loved ones or angels coming for me. I don't guess I'm that close, (laughs) but a few weeks before that, I'd had a prophetic dream, and in the prophetic dream, I was in an auditorium, and I was about eight or ten rows back, and actually the one in Yamasucro there, and, um, the Lord spoke to me. He said, move up to the front. I want you to move up to the front. And I knew it was a prophetic call regarding ministry. And then, you know, a few weeks later, I was at death's door. So I've been recovering from that. But I have been believing that the Lord was calling me to step up and to step up in ministry and step up in anointing. Well, I received an invitation to to do a women's conference. And this uh, individual's been doing women's conferences for years and, years and years and years and years and years. She's had people like Joyce Meyer there. You know. It was quite an honor for me to get invited to come and speak to this thing. And um, I had been given a word that before I got to that meeting that I would have a testimony. Well, I already have, I have all kinds of testimonies, but that was the word that was given to me. Well, a- as I was approaching, I had a- she actually asked me to do this a whole year in advance. I told her, I said, I'm going to start posting on, my, on the website to book me now because I'm booked a year in advance. <laughs> Mind you, it was the only invitation I had for the entire year. But nonetheless, I was booked a year in advance. But I was really looking forward to this thing. Well, as it, was, it was going to be in March, and as I approached um, December and January, I began having problems with my eyes, and I couldn't see. Then I developed some problems with my mouth, and I couldn't speak. And here I was two weeks before going to this ladies' meeting, and I could not see and could not speak. This is like a little bit of an attack, you know. <laughs> and so, I, was, I mean, I was praying and praying and praying and praying and praying because I'm a woman of prayer, and I believe in praying and you know i believe in being serious about praying and so i i'm the kind of person who stays up sometimes all night long and prays. you know it's like when there's when there's a need i mean i just really believe in pressing through it's like we can sleep sometime (laughs) some other time but right now we need a breakthrough so i'm up in the middle of the night doing laundry i'm carrying a bunch of laundry down the stairs about two in the morning and I say, okay, God. You know, here we are. We're coming down to it, and I'm supposed to go and preach at this ladies' meeting, and I cannot see and I cannot speak. This is this is not good. And I said, Lord, your word to me was I was going to have a testimony. And just up out of my spirit came these words: I'm going to have a testimony. I'm going to have a testimony, I'm going to have a testimony of the wonderful power of God. I'm going to have a testimony, I'm going to have a testimony, I'm going to have a testimony of the wonderful power of God. My God is great and greatly to be praised. With signs and wonders, he will demonstrate. My God is for me i will not be afraid but i will shout 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 and say it once again I'm going to have a testimony I'm going to have a testimony I'm going to have a testimony Of a wonderful power of God I'm speaking to this mountain You cannot remain I'm blasting your foundation In Jesus' mighty name My faith will be my victory His promise I'll proclaim And I will shout, shout, shout And say it once again I'm going to have testimony, I'm going to have testimony, I'm going to have testimony of the wonderful power of God. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. I can put my trust in him, he will never change. Anything he's done before, he will do today. And I can shout, 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 and say it full of faith. I'm gonna have testimony I'm gonna have testimony I'm gonna have testimony of the wonderful power of God well I made it through my ladies meeting God brought me through we had a wonderful awesome time <laughs> but I had continuing problems with my eyes and the ophthalmologist kept giving me I mean actually the retin- retina-, retina specialist kept giving me bad reports So I'm like, okay, I'm still singing my song. So I just thought, well, I'll just make up another verse. (laughs) He healed blind Bartimaeus on the road that day. Another man received his sight with a bit of clay. I believe my eyes are healed, swelling go away. And I will shout, 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 eyes you must obey. And I'm going to have a testimony, I'm going to have a testimony, I'm going to have a testimony of the wonderful power of God. Now, this morning, I heard the word about seeing. We're going to see, we're going to see, we're going to see. But you know, in the spiritual realm, the, 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 the devil tries to resist that sight. In the natural, he tries to attack our eyes. So, you know, as I'm going through this, the Lord really spoke to me about dealing with the stronghold of a deaf and dumb spirit. And it it affects our feet and our balance. It affects our eyes. It affects our ears. You know, things that cause you just to fall down. You think, okay, well, I just tripped and fell in that hole. Well, the hole may have been there, like I tripped over the garden hose this summer. But I want to tell you something. If you have a car with 200,000 miles on it, And the brakes go out on that car. You can hardly fault the car and say, the devil did it. You know, at 200,000 miles, things wear out. However, the timing of such things is often peculiarly suspicious. (laughs) Like the battery going out on our car on Friday, right? When we've got a wedding on Saturday and we're going to drive to Woodward and our car won't start. (laughs) I'm like, uh, okay, this is a I I will, baby. Uh, no, one, one more thing. Really, really, I'm really serious because I believe, I really believe I have something else to say that goes right along with this. And so the enemy will attack your weakness. He'll use a natural thing to, you know, to trip you up. So, so the Lord just really had me praying against this stronghold of a deaf and dumb spirit because it effect, affects the eyes, it affects the balance, that spirit threw the boy down, it threw him in the fire, it threw him in the water, respiratory things drown. he tried to drown him, he couldn't breathe, if you go in the water, you know you can't breathe, I mean, and so I started coming against this thing, I mean in a serious way, well, tied with that is the stronghold of divination and Leviathan, So I I start reading. We had a couple we were sending to Paraguay. They sold everything they owned, and they moved, packed up and moved to Paraguay at the word of the Lord, and it's just an awesome, awesome, awesome story. And if you want to hear Peter tell it, you can look on our website, Peter Ratcliffe, going to Paraguay. It's awesome. We're getting ready to pray for them. So the Lord takes me to Acts chapter 13. This is the word about the church where there were prophets and there were teachers and apostles. In the church in Antioch and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted the Holy Spirit said separate Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them and then they fasted and prayed some more and laid their hands on them and sent them out that's the apostolic anointing function in the church so off they went with that apostolic call and as you go through Acts chapter 13, it tells all these different places where they went and they preached the word in their synagogue in the synagogues of the Jews and so on and so forth. You get to verse 6, it says, And when they had gone through the Isle of Patmos, Paphos, and um, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, even his name was a counterfeit from Jesus. That's what Bar-Jesus means in the Hebrew. But he was a sorcerer. He was a false prophet. And the deputy of that country, Sergius Paulus, was a prudent man, and he had called for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. How many of them out there? There's, a, there's an apostolic call on this house. And functions have been done to affirm that. Correct? Yeah. Right. And there are people who want to know and need to know the word of God. So this this guy Sergius Paulus had called for Barnabas and Saul, but Elymas, the sorcerer, whose name by interpretation means sorcerer, withstood them. Okay. How many times in, I'm like, I'm like, okay, Dr. Luke, how many times in three verses are you going to tell us the guy was a sorcerer or a false prophet? He had a false name. He was a sorcerer. His name was Elymas, which that's the Aramaic of his name. And his name actually means sorcerer. And you're saying he was a sorcerer and his name meant sorcerer. How many times are you going to have to tell us this? There was some bad stuff in this dude that was to re- resisting, the man of God, and resisting the word of God. Some bad stuff here. Okay, so he withstood them. And it says, it said he withstood them seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. So I'm thinking like this man is operating out of this bad spirit. he said, you know, you don't need to listen to them. I'm a prophet. You don't need to listen to that word. You don't need this thing. I'm a Jew. You don't need this new stuff about Jesus. I mean, he was withstanding them, withstanding the word. Are there things that are withstanding the word of God against this house and in this city? So, after a while, it says, Saul, who is now called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, looks at him and says, Oh, you full of all subtlety, okay? Who was the most subtle creature in the earth who came in the garden to deceive? I mean, subtlety means trickery, deception. So Paul's saying, you who are full of all subtlety, we know what that spirit is, and all mischief, you child of the devil, you enemy of righteousness, will you not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? I'm telling you, in one, two, three, four verses here, how much can we say about this guy that's evil? This is a strong evil force that was coming against them. But now behold, the hands of the Lord will be upon you and you will be blind and not seeing. I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus, I'm speaking against that spirit that's attacked the vision and the sight, both in the natural and in the spiritual, for that thing to be turned back. From where it came from. What's it say in 1 Corinthians 4, 2 Corinthians 4 4? That if the gospel is hid, it's hidden from those whom the God of this world has blinded. So we're calling that blindness off for the truth, for truth to come forth in this house, over this place, over this ministry, in this city, in this region, in the name of Jesus, where those things have withstood, now there'll be a blindness on them that that attack will be turned around. And I'm speaking also to the physical sight of Anyone who's there, their eyesight has been under attack. I'm taking authority over that, the prophetic vision, prophetic insight. I'm coming against that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we are speaking for this thing to be turned. I'm saying turned that those who need to see whose eyes have been blinded, their eyes will be clear. They will see the light of the gospel. And those who've tried to practice and work witchcraft, sorcery, divination, subtlety, trickery, deception, evilness, they will now be blind in Jesus' name. To what's going on in the spiritual realm. To what the kingdom of God is desiring to do. That the kingdom of God may go forth and advance. No longer being withstood. Where the enemy has turned them away. We say no more to that. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you Father that even as, as Paul spoke. He said a mist of darkness fell on that man. So I'm thanking you Father that. There is a change in Jesus' name, and we are walking into a new era. Seasons are very quick to turn and to change, but we are coming into an era which is a long-term, long-term walk.
1: Amen. 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 Thank you, Father. I had it in my heart to preach some things to you that I've been preaching at the church. Uh, But in the night last night, the Lord said, he reminded me that I am under a command that when I preach in a congregation for the very first time there's a story for edification that I'm to share and that uh, and he's not released me from that command so I want to share a story with you today that will be for your edification how many like to be edified edified means what built up strength added to this is called the way of escape It's also called, what do you do when you don't get a miracle? (laughs) And that we charismatics and Pentecostals are famous for miracles, right? We pray for them. We see God do them. We're thankful for them. We just love it when that happens. Anybody had the experience where you, 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 you went and you had the who's who of the who's who lay hands on you and nothing changed? Well, God still has an answer. God still has an answer. Okay, and so uh, the brother in the back is going to try to follow along with some some effort at a PowerPoint that was done somewhere that showed up in my briefcase. <laughs> <clears throat> and so I don't know if it will help or not. And then you'll have to bear with me. I got new lenses for my glasses this week. And if I'm not in exactly the right range, <laughs> things just fade in and out. <laughs> oh, my In April of 2002, uh, I was having a colonoscopy. Anybody ever had one of those? I don't recommend them. (laughs) But when they're necessary, they're necessary. And in a day when I was doing those things, uh, they didn't give you, these days they give you a drug that after it's all over, you don't remember anything. After about six hours, you don't even know what happened that day. Uh, But in those days, it wasn't so. And as I was there, the doctor, I heard him exclaim from the other side of me, Oh my God, look at the size of that tumor. Friends, those are not words you want to hear. I heard the Holy Ghost say, Philippians 1.6 is still true. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of the Lord. Aren't you glad the Holy Ghost can yell louder than the doc? And right behind Philippians 1, 6 came 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, and that's where we're going to be today. Because in my life, in 1984 and 85, when I became the pastor at that time, Claremont Christian Fellowship, which is now Life Changer Church, we are just outside of Tulsa. And as you all know, that in the state of Oklahoma, one of the most famous places in Tulsa is Oral Roberts Ministries. Been around since the 50s. Not only that, Broken Arrow has developed Rhema Country, and uh, uh, you know, and Dr. Hagen, which I have great esteem for. So, I, I, even if I say something stupid, I don't. I'm not against him. I'm for him. I'm a faith guy, and uh, so I mean, what other option you got? Be an unbelief guy. Anyway, and so, uh, and so, when I began pastor, of course, I had people around me. And And everybody was using this this they were talking faith talk, but they didn't have the fruit fruit that seems to show up when when real faith is at work. See it's one thing to speak the language of faith. it's another thing to walk the walk of faith. Those are two entirely different things, okay And so uh, in those early years, I begin a journey to try to figure out what is it what is it what does it look like to be in faith and how do you know when you're not because we human beings are inclined to deceive ourselves and on top of that we have an adversary the devil who is by his nature a deceiver a trickster a, de- a person to bait and switch on you it's his nature he is a liar and the father of liars. There is no truth in him. Okay? And so, and, and of course, I'm praying, so I'm studying all the faith verses. You know, we all know, you know, Mark 11, 22 and following. And, and you know, nothing is impossible to him who believes. And, you know, uh, if you come to God, you've got to believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Faith is the substance of things. Hope for the evidence of things not seen. You know, the stuff we're all familiar with. Uh but even in those years, so that's 30 years ago or so, okay? Even in those years, you know, I would cry out to God, God, I need to have understanding. I, I'm pastoring this church, you know, uh, where I, I need to know how to talk about this. I'm a practical guy, you guys. I think things ought to be practical. When pastors preach and it gets so complicated, you can't come, figure out, come here from Sikkim. They're not preaching the Word of God. Okay? It needs to be real simple. The Bible is not written... Uh, to be complicated and difficult to understand, it is written to empower you to walk out the kingdom of God that you have been brought into when you were born again it 's our instruction book, and god didn 't write it complicated to make it hard for us. He wrote it easy so that we could we could do it. We just have to have a heart to do it okay and so um so I began to pray you know I was saying God took me to first corinthians ten thirteen so Brother, I don't know if you can put that up on the board or not, but if I can get it in range here. Here we go. It says this. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with every temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now I thought, what has that got to do with faith? Well, this is a letter Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. And, if you, and you know, context is important in Scripture. So when you back up and you begin to read the whole chapter, verses 1 through 13 in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians, is Paul's recollections about the Exodus story. Two times in this chapter, two times in this chapter, in verse 6 and in verse 11, the Bible says, Paul's talking to them through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God says this, These things were written down, and this record was kept as an example for you. And I would add, so that you wouldn't do the same dumb thing Israel did. You know, I tried to be an example for my sons when they were growing up so they wouldn't make the same mistakes I made. Right? And so, so then I went back and began to study Exodus. And I got about 20 minutes, and this is a three-hour teaching. So here we go. Are you ready? Buckle your seatbelts. All right, so I went and studied Exodus. Everybody know the Exodus story, familiar with it? I don't want to go read all those verses. Israel had been in captivity 400 years. God raises up Moses through a miraculous bush that was burning and not being consumed, and Moses goes back and said, God sent me to deliver you, and they said, "Who's God who? I am that I am, and so you know all the plague stories, how finally Pharaoh said, let them go, and and they got out, and so they got to the first place. And the first obstacle they got to was what? The Red Sea. The Red sea. Everybody with me? Okay. So they get there, and, they're, and they are, actually the place where they crossed the sea is between two mountains. And they were going to cross the sea, and Pharaoh decided to have a change of mind after they left. Y'all all know this story. So the Egyptian army's coming, and uh, what are we going to do? You ever been in a what are we going to do situation? Man, I've been there a bunch of times. And let me tell you when the doctor says, "Oh my god, look at the size of that tumor." That's a what are we going to do situation. Now, I didn't know when I was studying this that this was going to be an application where it was going to have this revelation was going to have to be used. So, the first thing that I noticed in reading that story was that Israel Came to Moses and said, Moses, you just brought us out here to die. But then, after they get across the Red Sea, anybody remember what the next place is where they got challenged? Mara, bitter water. Next place, no water. Next place, no bread. Next place, no meat. Y'all remember these stories? Okay. Every time they came to a place, now, in Numbers 14. Uh, The Scripture says ten times people tested God. There's eight that I can find in Scripture, but it says there were ten, so there must have been two that were so bad God didn't even want to record them for us. (laughs) Numbers 14, 22. But at every one of these occasions, the same three things happened to them. Now, Now, think about this. I'm a guy, as a pastor, you look for patterns in people's lives. When you've pastored somewhere for 30 years like I have, and you've been the pastor of the parents, you've been pastor of the kids, and now you're the pastor of the grandkids. I did a wedding yesterday before I came out here who is the daughter of, I was there when she popped out. You know? And you've seen families live for decades. You begin to see patterns. One of the things I've learned to do is when you read Bible stories, look for patterns. Have you ever noticed in Judges, the people would serve God, then they'd get distant from God, and then all kind of crazy calamity would happen, and then they'd repent, and they'd come back to God, and he'd deliver them. That's the cycle of Israel. That's the cycle of a lot of Christians, too. Some might call it an abuse cycle. I don't know what it is, but it's a crazy cycle. I don't want to be in that cycle myself. So the Red Sea, the bitter water no bread. They said the same things, and here's the three things they said. First time, it was Moses. Moses, you brought us out here to die. But by the time they got to the third test, it wasn't Moses. It was God brought us out here to die. So the first thing, when a person is filled with unbelief, you know, Israel didn't go into the promised land because of unbelief. Now, I didn't know that when I was studying this. You know, it says it in Hebrews 4.12. Is it 4.12 or 3.12? Hebrews 3.19. They could not go in because of unbelief. It's plainly in the Scripture. But I was, God was going to me, have me discover it. And so I was studying and studying and studying. Because remember, my question was, what does unbelief look like? How do you know when you're in unbelief? And how do you know when faith has happened? And uh, so, number one, they complained, it came out of their mouth. How many of you know, out, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth will announce it to anybody who's listening. is that right? And when you come under pressure, and what comes out of you is really what's in your heart. So they number one, they complained about against God. They murmured against authority. They murmured against authority. It's a sure sign, friend, when we're murmuring against authority, we're not in faith. Second thing they did is they complained about their circumstance. It's not fair. Anybody ever said it's not fair? I shouldn't have to deal with this stuff? Listen, life's not fair. Devil's not fair. God is good. You don't ever want to get that confused. Okay, it's not fair. And the third thing they did, every time, if you read the stories, they wanted to go back to Egypt. Now remember, when they left Egypt, they were making bricks with no straw. Pharaoh was killing their babies. Egypt wasn't a fun place. What does that look like for us? Well, it looks like, well, I'm tired of going to church. This thing don't work. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm tired of trying to be a Christian. Can't be a Christian. It's too hard. By the way, it's not hard to be a Christian. Take my ball. I'm going to go up the street to another church where that preaches better. Got a better sound system a little more entertainment preacher inspires me more never tells me anything that I have to change I love being the visiting pastor you can say stuff here I can't say at home you know well it's not fair and and, and God shouldn't have let this happen but listen God has never killed anybody he didn't give me cancer he doesn't have any cancer he can't Amen. give it to you You say, well, God, let it happen. God is not micromanaging the universe. Cancer is a result of the original sin. It's a result of fall. It is an enemy, and you have to fight it and contend with it. And sometimes you lose the battle, but God is still good. I had a good friend die this morning from cancer. I hate cancer. I hate it. I'm sorry for whoever lost the child, but the Holy Ghost will help you. You'll see that baby again. So I finally got to Hebrews. I found out they didn't enter him because of unbelief. You remember when they sent the 12 spies into the land and they came back and it is a land that flows with milk and honey. Everybody's seen a picture, some child picture somewhere, two guys with carrying a bundle of grapes. You know, we've all seen those pictures, and it was wonderful. And ten came back, and what they say? There's giants in the lands, and we're grasshoppers on their side, and we can't do it. And and Joshua and Caleb said, what? Let's go now. Don't think about this. Just obey God. Sometimes when you're facing hard stuff, you don't think about it. You just obey God. Well, the ten won the day and convinced the people, and so they died in the wilderness. Know that story. Israel didn't unbe- uh, enter in because of unbelief. So I began to pray. Now, the typical idea about faith and unbelief is that, that, that we're sort of like an empty glass. And if you speak the word, speak the word, speak the word, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? Paul said, told us that. Then you pour that into the glass, and as your, as your life fills up with faith, it will push unbelief out. That's a great image. problem is it's wrong. Because in Romans 14, the very last verse, be part of the verse, the Bible says this Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Now, friend, I don't know about you, but I can only find one cure for sin in the Scriptures it's not speaking the Word. The Word promises the cure, but you don't speak the Word to get rid of sin. You have to repent. It's the blood. It's the blood applied that deals with sin. Isn't it? Nod your heads. I want to hear them rattle. Okay, it's the blood applied, okay? So, here's the deal. Most of us don't know how to tell when we're in unbelief. And it's hard. It is hard to be radically honest with yourself. Because you'll be in condemnation. If you're not careful, you'll wind up in condemnation. You'll think it's God that's doing it to you. Oh, Holy Spirit convicts of sin. Listen, let me tell you something about the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It is the best gift God will ever give you. It is absolutely the manifestation of the love of God. Now, I grew up in church. I'm a second-generation Pentecostal. And somehow I got it in my head that the conviction of the Holy Spirit was a bad thing. And that's because, you know, the preachers would preach like your pastor, a fiery preacher, and, you know, make you, you know, and you get you under conviction, and then you just feel miserable and have all this emotional stuff going on. And so you associate with conviction is all this bad feeling. Well, you do feel bad. You ought to feel bad when you sin. If you don't repent, it'll kill you. The wages of sin is Death. By the way, that was written to the church, not to the sinner. Wages of sin will kill you. When you sin and don't repent, you allow the spirit of death to begin to work in your life. If you sin economically, you're not a tither. Death is at work in your finances. Because sin has a payday. Oh, it tastes good at moment. You remember sin hath pleasure for a season? We wouldn't sin if it wasn't fun. We like sinning. We wouldn't do it. I don't eat Brussels sprouts. I don't like Brussels sprouts. Never been tempted to overeat on Brussels sprouts. I don't even think ranch dressing can sanctify them things. But I've been tempted by chocolate. The reason we sin is because we like it. We just need to tell ourselves the truth. We think it'll meet a need. We think it'll do something for us. We think it'll satisfy us, and it doesn't. But that's the deception in it. See? And so when the Holy Spirit comes and points that out to us, we, you know, that's called conviction, He comes and points that out to us. What do we do? We reason with God. Come, let us reason together. (laughs) And we justify and we rationalize. Now, a lot of people think the God of the United States is materialism. We like our stuff around here. Y'all have a bunch of storage buildings in Woodward where people have stored all their extra stuff. They don't have room in their house for it. Yeah, we uh, in Claremore, we do too. We like our stuff, but materialism is not the God of America. Reason is the God of America. That's why education is so highly prized in our nation. It's not a bad thing. I got an earned doctorate. I mean, it's not a bad, I'm not down on it. I'm just saying, when you've got to understand it and make it make, it make sense to you rationally before you'll obey God, you're in, you are you's something wrong with that. We walk by faith, friends. We do not walk by sight. Said another way, we walk by faith. We do not ro- walk by understanding we need understanding about some things but a lot of times we get stuck and we demand understanding from God my experience has been over 30 45 years now you get understanding after you obey okay so so I figured this out and you know I preached this message for 13 weeks in my church and some of them they endured faithful to the end And I got it in my soul that when you're in a life-threatening fight, when you're in a battle, you better make sure you're in faith. And faith is a thing that's in the heart. Faith is not in your head. You can be persuaded intellectually and your heart not be there. So back to the story. Back to the story. Doctor says that thing. He goes out and tells my wife, I'm so sorry your husband has this massive tumor. I did. I had a massive colon malignant colon tumor. And it's pretty scary stuff. But, you know, we learned some things over the years. After the procedure was over, we got in the car, and we didn't say a word to each other between the time we left the hospital until we got to our house. When you don't know what to say, it's better not to say anything. Faith is released through words. Demons are released through words. Unbelief is empowered through words. Doesn't mean we live in denial. But it means before you say, you need to hear from heaven. And one of the things Jenny and I learned is we process things differently. I don't know about you and your spouse, but we just do things differently. And so, my wife, she gets home, and if you're in our home, there's a circle. You can walk through our kitchen to our dining room to our living room through the entryway, and you walk a circle around this thing. That's her prayer kind of track, and she starts walking and praying. And now, guys, when we don't know what to do, our solution is praying the Holy Ghost. It's good to get counsel. It's good to do things. Now, mind you, now. I went ahead and I saw doctors and surgeons, and I had one surgeon threaten me. He said, if you don't let us do something, you're going to die. I think he did it just to protect himself from a lawsuit, but, I mean, he called me on the phone one day and yelled at me. And so we did all that stuff, and, and by the way, it was graduation at ORU, and I was there, and the who's who of the people who lay hands on the sick in America in 2002 were, gra- were gathered for that event. They laid hands on me. They smeared oil on me. They prayed loud, they prayed soft, they shook, they done, I mean, they prayed. Not one symptom changed. What do you do when it don't work? And the people you esteem and the people you have, who it works for them. There's a track record all over the world. But it didn't work for me. What do you do? Let me tell you what I do. I went to my church. I ran everybody off. I turned on the sound system. I put on the worship loud enough to run anybody off who got close. I laid on my face in the floor. I prayed in the Holy Ghost. I prayed in the Holy Ghost because I've learned something. It has been given to me to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Mark 4.13. It has been given to me. It is not God's will to be in a conundrum or a predicament where I don't get an answer. It is the will of God for me to have the answer, but i got to go get it. And if I sit around waiting on God to bring it, I won't have it. But if I go and I do what I know to do to get the mysteries that are hidden for me, not from me, they're reserved for me in the heavenlies. And the way you get those mysteries, friends, is by praying in the Holy Ghost. If you had not been baptized in the Holy Ghost, you don't have a prayer language. You don't need to do it to fit in. You need to do it because it's the best tool you got in your bag. You don't have to have a chill bump. You don't have to have a sense of presence. You don't have to have any of that stuff. You release him who has been deposited within you, and you pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, and Spirit of God says to me, Proverbs 3, 16. And everybody who knows it can quote it out loud, and I had no clue what it said. I know Proverbs 3, 4, and 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. What does Proverbs three sixteen says? It says, In wisdom's right hand is length of days, and left hand is riches and honor. Long life. I said, okay, I'm reading it. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Ted, I'm going to give you wisdom for this situation. If you will do the wisdom, a year from now you'll be free. If you choose not to do the wisdom, I'll see you soon. Now, listen, it wasn't a threat. It was like dad sitting at the table with his 16-year-old who just got his driver's license, saying, now, son, if you obey the law and you pay attention, you're going to be fine. But if you don't, I'm not coming and getting you out of jail. Of course, we all would the first time. You know. But I'm just telling what God said to me. I'm not trying, and it wasn't bad. I didn't feel condemned. I didn't feel judged. I felt like okay. So then we begin to pursue God, and we begin to ask the Lord. We begin to study science. We begin to study research. We begin to find out how, why do you get cancer? Where does cancer come from? How does your body deal with cancer? What do you do when this stuff happens? What's the answers? What are the medical things? I sat down with my doctor, and he said, "Well." You know, uh, uh, my surgeon said, well, we can take it out next Tuesday. I said, okay, what are the side effects? Basically, he said, nothing south of your belly button will ever work again. That's my language, not his. No, uh, no, no bowel control, no, no urinary control, no erectile function. I like all three of those things. So we began, my wife and I looked at each other sitting there and said, hey, don't put us on the schedule today. We don't do this until we pray. And it's from that appointment that I went on my face before God. And God said to me in wisdom's right hand is length of life and left hand is riches and honor. I'm going to give you wisdom. If you'll do the wisdom, you won't have this in a year. Now, listen, I don't know about you, but I don't want to hear a year. You understand? I want you know, lay hands, all you know, little sign of the cross, you know, uh, you know, yeah, you know, and and you know, boom, you. I'm okay. That's what I want. Now I'm happy to do that when that's what God's doing. Not making fun of it. I I love it. And while I was fighting my battle, I prayed for four or five people who had diagnosed tumors in their body, and every one of them was healed. They didn't have to eat one piece of broccoli or drink one glass of carrot juice. I had to make major lifestyle changes. Major. I'm talking, I'm a carnivore, I'm a guy who believes that baloney is real meat. My philosophy was why waste room in your gut with green stuff when you can put meat in there. I became a vegan. Do you know what a vegan is? If you're from California, a vegan. (laughs) It's a vegetarian on steroids. That's what it is. I made major lives. I took up playing golf. That's supposed to relax you. When you're 53, you don't take up playing golf and relax. The okay. only thing you get out of it is a nice walk outside in the sunshine. Remember, I was diagnosed on April 26th or 7th. April the 17th, 2003. My family doctor's office, he stuck a little scope in there. He said, Ted, I can't see anything. So he was sent me back to the guy who diagnosed me. I got there, and his nurse said, Now, who did your resection? I didn't have one. Well, who did your chemotherapy? I didn't do that either. Well, what about radiation? Well, I didn't do that either. Well, what'd you do? And I told her, and then the doctor came in. He said, I heard you found an herb that cures cancer. Had an edge. I said, Doc, God help me. I'm telling you, God, grace help me. I just said, Doc. I said, if we had an adversarial relationship this whole year, he said, no. I said, let's don't start now. Said, just stick the thing in there and let's see what you find, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Clean from stem to stern. Now I'm a guy who believes in speaking the word. So every day, Jenny and I would say, Today, Father, we set ourselves in agreement according to the Word of God. It says, If any two of us agree as touching anything in the earth, it shall be done of our Father who is in heaven. Today, we agree. Tumor, I got something to say to you. Today, your life is cut off from you. You cannot grow in my body. You're weaker today than you were yesterday. I about 30 minutes, started every day with it, had it folded up on a piece of paper sticking in my pocket, and every time fear came, and every time worry came, and every time unbelief came, and every time something come up out of my heart, out of my mouth, I would repent, and I would drag that piece of paper out of my pocket, and I'd read it out loud. Now, walking across my church, thought came to me, when you die, do you want to be buried in your preaching suit or in your academic robes? Oh, that's an interesting idea. I walked on across. My office is back in this corner. And I got back in I was sitting at my desk. I'm just thinking about that for about 15 minutes. And I said, well, I guess my, I'm going to pray about this. Sure want to leave instructions for my wife and kids. And, you know, I don't want them to have to be in. I started to pray. I bowed my head. And up out of my spirit, these words came. Who are you, you foul spirit of death? What are you doing in my church? Who let you in here? I said, I don't care what they do with me when I die, but I'm not dying this year and I'm not dying next year. You go peddle your stuff somewhere else. Let me tell you something. Today, my wife and I set ourselves in agreement according to the word of God. I drug up paper out of my pocket and I read it out loud. I stood up, I stomped my feet, I yelled. That never happened to me again. It's important, ladies and gentlemen, to know when you're in faith and when you're not. It's important to know that you can repent easily. God's not mad. The anger of the Lord was satisfied at the cross. You understand? When Jesus hung between heaven, I saw this cross on the stage. When Jesus hung between heaven and earth, the wrath of God was satisfied. Now, there's a day coming when it'll be poured out on the earth again, in my opinion. But that's not today. God's not mad at anybody. God doesn't have bad days. He's not moody. And even when the Holy Spirit comes and says to you, you messed up. He's not mad. He comes to warn you because he knows the power that sin has. Holy Spirit, where does he live? Out on the moon somewhere? No, Holy Spirit lives here, right? When we gather, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's present among us. When you are walk out of here and you're by yourself, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He dwe- your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He dwells within you. God's voice is generally not going to come out of the sky somewhere. It's going to come up from on the inside. So I'm going to finish with these three things. You ready? Number one, where you go to church matters. It matters when life throws you a curveball. It matters when you're in a fight. You know, what Paul tell Timothy? Fight the good fight of faith. Really, I think sometimes about the only fight we really have is a faith fight. Number two, what you believe about God matters. And where you go to church is going to determine what you believe about God. So it matters. I love everybody. I don't care what the label is. If they've believed and trusted in Jesus, I love them all. But I was able to fight that fight because of what God had taught me. I didn't want to fight the fight. I wanted Brother Roberts to lay hands on me and fix me. Understand? I love miracles. I thank God for miracles. I've prayed for blind people in this country and other countries. I prayed for a line of 35 blind people one time in Honduras, and every one of them Jesus healed. I love that story, but it's never happened before. It was a moment in grace. It was a moment in time. It was something God was doing in that moment. I can't go line up all the blind people in Woodward and go pray for them and see what happens. I mean, I could do it, but I don't know what would happen. It wasn't what God was doing in that moment. Jesus said, I do only what I see my Father doing. I say only what I hear my Father saying. And then he said, you can go do what I did as long as you'll do that part first. You'll see what the Father's doing and hear what the Father's saying. So that was two and number three. I'm famous for not finishing my three points. For number three, what you've been taught is important. Where you go to church matters. What you believe about God matters what you've been taught about God matters. And it may not seem to matter when life is, when you're young and life is going well. And you don't have any conundrums or difficulties that doesn't, it's not, it doesn't seem like, you know, I just do what suits my fancy. But it matters. It matters. Does everybody get a miracle? No. But you got a better shot at it when you know something about the Word of God and you know something about telling yourself the truth. Fear is a powerful enemy. Fear is a powerful enemy. Fear is a powerful enemy. My friend that died this morning, wonderful man of God, saying all the right things, doing all the right things, except I knew he wasn't in faith. Now he believed he was. But I knew he wasn't. And he couldn't hear me. That's okay. I've been where I couldn't hear people before too. Have you ever been where somebody's trying to give you good counsel and you just couldn't hear it? You had a corn cob in your ear or something? You just couldn't hear it. Every adolescence there. Some of you get that this afternoon sometime. It's amazing how wise, how, how, how my children thought I was a wise person after they hit about 30. So here we are in 2014. Here's my word for you today, church. God's got a way of escape. I don't care what the situation is. And even, listen to this, listen to this. This, this is precious about being a Christian. Even when you lose, if you lost a health challenge and you died. We who remain are going to mourn. But guess what? You get to go be in the presence of the living God. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Pow, every, my friend at 620 this morning was in a way that I don't even comprehend and understand was in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ without the encumbrances of human flesh. And I'm sad. I cried when his wife called me. But I, I rejoiced. My friend was famous for wearing flashy suits. I just wondered what kind of robe Jesus gave him when he got there. <laughs> he probably had matching shoes. So so when we lose a battle we mourn but we win. Yeah. I thank God for winning that fight in 2002. I thank God for what I learned about it. I thank God for what he taught me. I thank God that I've been able to share it all over the world. Basically, I became the guy that I made fun of. I became a vegetarian. I took supplements. I exercised regularly. I got rid of any no chemical hit my body that wasn't either helpful or healthful. I changed everything but my toothpaste. Have you ever read the label on your toothpaste? It says if you swallow this, call the poison control center and you brush your teeth with it every day. Do you know what the most absorbent place on your body is? Your mouth? God's faithful. God's faithful. He has made a way of escape for you, but you'll have to seek him for it. You'll have to, I usually, I do an illustration with this about outside the box. God forced me to get outside my box about food. He forced me to get outside my box about nutrition. He forced me to get outside my box about medicine. He forced me to get outside my box about everything that I didn't want to fool with. And I believe if I hadn't have been willing to go there on that journey with him, I would, have, I would not be here today. I told this message, I gave this message one time in a church. And when I got through at the end, a young person came up to me at the door. And so well, I'm sure sorry that happened to you. When, when I had cancer, God, somebody just prayed for me and I got healed and I've, I've never had a problem yet. Please don't hear of that. I want you to know there'll be more of us that don't get miracles that do. Miracles are called miracles because they're unusual. They're extraordinary. And no matter who preaches that we should have miracles as the ordinary, as long as we're in the earth, we're not going to have miracles as the ordinary. They're not going to be called ordinaries. Now, I realize in the kingdom of God it ought to be ordinary, but most of us don't know how to live there. But even when you don't get a miracle, God has an answer. Even when it seems like you've had a faith failure, God has an answer. He will not leave you. He will not abandon you. He will bring you through and redeem you in ways you don't even imagine. He is a good God. He is a good God. He is worthy of our loyalty. He is worthy of our service. He is worthy. Uh, And this is my final thing. I want you to know your pastor is a hero. He's a hero. He's my hero. You know why? Y'all prayed for me. Some of you remember. Because when we were in Africa, not this August, but a year ago, I got very, very ill. Your pastor stayed up with me all night, at least one night, when I was delirious and out of my head. He waited on me in most inconvenient circumstances. He served me, and I'll honor him. One night he said, Pastor Ted, I'm supposed to preach first tomorrow. I've got to get some sleep. <laughs> so he lined up all the chairs across the room so I could stagger out of the bed and hold on to something and get to the bathroom. <laughs> your, pa- your pastor is a hero. He is a true man of God in every sense of the word. How do you know that? Because I've been with him in the hard place and I watched him rise to the image of Jesus. And I'm deeply grateful. Thank you, Pastor. God bless you guys. We love you. We pray for you.
0: Whoa. I could feel the the heaviness of the Spirit of God. Could you just feel that? What is God doing in this moment? Because what God's doing in this moment is different for me than He's doing for you. But God is doing something in this moment. I want to have Susan play. And what I believe that God is doing in this moment within me is that What we believe in God matters, and there's been some belief systems out there that don't line up with the Word of God. I've had people say, well, you know, God's causing this storm, and I said, no, He's not causing the storm, and I can give you biblical proof that He's not causing this storm, because the disciples were in the boat, and they got a hold of Jesus and said, we're going to fall, we're going to sink because of this storm, and Jesus did what to the storm? Stop it. So why would... He tells something that he was doing to stop. Oh, come on, somebody. And there's been that that's out there. The finished work of the cross doesn't mean you never get to repent again. The finished work of the cross just says, look, guys, I've messed up. And God, I don't want to do this. And Paul had this battle that he had going on. The things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I do, I don't want to do. Oh, what is going on with me? What a mess. I'm a mess. How can I do this? What is going on? He's like, oh, what a wretched man am I. And praise God for the spirit of God that comes in Romans chapter 8 and says, guess what? There's life in Christ Jesus. So, right where you're at, I'm gonna ask you just to close your eyes a moment. What is it that God's doing? What are some things that He's dealing with you? And He says, What does it, what do you do when it doesn't work? We've all been through the truth is we've all been through some things and said it just didn't work. It didn't work. Or you know what? It hasn't worked yet. What are some things in your life that you could just say, you know what, I gotta, I gotta get this under the blood of Jesus Christ? It may not it's not going to keep you from heaven, come on it, but it's going to keep you from the things that God has for you. You're kind of like in a prison, but you're not in a prison because you've allowed unforgiveness or bitterness or hatred to just rule the day. Every eye closed just right now. I believe that God's just coming to that place that just says. You know what? I've allowed the voice of the enemy. I heard pastors say, and I thought that's a lie because I've been studying out how the enemy lies to us and lies to us. And an enemy's going to lie to you. He's lied to me, and he said, Your father died at 62. Do you really think you're going to live past 62? I'm here to tell you that is a lie of the enemy. That is not the voice of God saying that. And we just call that thing a lie, and it is a lie what are you doing? I'm already planning out when I'm going to die because, you know, you know, so-and-so was killed in a car accident at 32 and my brother was this and my sister is this. That's what I'm going to be. That is a lie that that's what you're going to be. You were created in the image and the likeness of God. You are an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror. You can overcome those things that have come against you. But I'm just saying right now, just, just begin to look at those things and say, God, forgive me for that unbelief. And I I ask forgiveness a lot for not only of my wife, my kids, my 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 parents. There's I, sometimes I mess up. I, I I but I don't stop. I keep going, and I know one of the things that it says. What do you do when it doesn't work? First of all, you got to move forward. You've got to keep going. Or Paul puts it this way. Maybe you just got to stand. Stand what? Stand in the middle of the storm. Stand in the middle of the rains. Stand in the middle of the things. And just begin to hear the voice of God. We've been talking about the presence of God. Just get into his presence get face to face with him. I, I heard that from pastor. He said he just laid there and he just warred and he, and he just prayed and he prayed in the Holy Spirit and, and he began to war and he began to say, God, I'm just into your presence. I'm just, I'm just connecting with you. Yes, it is important what you've been taught, but it's more important if you're willing to be taught. It's more important if you're willing to learn and grow with the things of God. Jesus himself continued to mature. He just didn't stay a little baby. He continued to mature. And the Bible says that he, that he grew in stature and he grew in favor with not only God, but also he grew in favor with man. I'm just going to take a moment and just let you repent before the Lord. Is there some issues going on? Here's those battles that you're going on. And I know what happens when I when I repent, and repent just isn't saying, I'm sorry, but it's beginning to turn away from those things. The word repentance literally means change the way you look at it. Maybe you can maybe you're in bondage here today, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's some some things going on in your life, and you just you gotta look at it and go, wait a minute, that's not good for me. That's not good for me. Jesus shed his blood to cover that. Let's put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's begin to look at those things and say, that's not good for me. I am going to step into what God has for me. Every eye closed, just a moment. Just begin to say, what is that, God? Just deal with it in your heart. See, and you, you don't have to, you, you can confess it before the Lord, and yeah, there's some things that you confess before, before others, but be careful who the others are that you confess it to. I'm just saying but right now, it's just about you and him, his presence. It's just about you and him today. It's just about you and him today. Just begin, to, just begin to look at those things. See, because like Pastor said, he said, God's talking to you like a dad. When you come to him, he's just saying, I know I love you, baby. I know I love you. I know. Let me hold you close. Thanks for telling me that. I knew it. But, Dad, you know, I was running through the living room, and we I, I broke that lamp, and I lied about breaking that lamp. You know, my—I was a time where I lied, and I lied, and I lied to my mom. I didn't break the lamp. I didn't break the lamp. Actually, mine was I set the house on fire. And they didn't know when I was a little kid. They, I mean, I, I set the house on fire. I was taking a nap, and then I was playing with matches. And then, you know, I, I put it in the trash can, and it didn't blow it out. And this is a true story. And then I closed the door and took my my water pistol and went to the bathroom and filled it up and tried to put out the fire. And then I did that three or four times. And one of my sisters was like, "What is he doing? I never, I never meant to set the house on fire. I never admitted that that was me." went through this whole time they thought it was an electrical fire my dad came in and and he took this dresser it was a it was a it was a desk and he threw it out the the window and the snow was on the ground and it was out there burning and the fire departments came they missed our house and then they turned around and came back and i carried that up till i was about 26 years old and i finally came to my mom And I said, that was me. I said that on fire. It wasn't an electrical fire. And she, she pulled me close. and She said, oh, Eric. She said, I'm sorry that you've carried that all these years. Maybe there's some things that you're carrying all these years, guys. God, this moment, this is the moment. This is the moment right now. Maybe you've been carrying it all these years. You've been holding it all these years. And you just got to say, Dad, I'm sorry. Look at this. I just messed up. That isn't good for you. Now, here's what I see. I see the blood of Jesus Christ. I see forgiveness being released. He's not holding it against you. I see where the enemy is begun to hold it against you. The courts of heaven, there's a decision being rendered not guilty. Oh, oh no, no, you didn't hear me today. He's rendering decisions not guilty on your behalf the accuser the brother and the the enemy he's trying to bring these things in and you're going and he's going is, is that what happened and he was like yeah that's what happened he's like okay not guilty it's under the blood of Jesus Christ you're forgiven you're forgiven you're forgiven begin to receive that today receive that today just begin to receive that today receive that today you are forgiven you are forgiven you you got to receive that today there's been issues in families and marriages and and, and things that have happened in your life—hurt and pain and guilt and shame—that I'm here to tell you that God just He wants. To, I, I just I feel that the spirit just begin to heal. Just begin to heal. Bring healing today. This is the moment. Get it under the blood of Jesus. Get it under the blood of Jesus. Get it under the blood. Well, you might say, well, it's, it's already covered. Yes, but you know what? He's covered my sins, past, present, and future. But when I come, it, it, it doesn't allow the enemy to have any, yeah, have any hold. The Bible talks about don't give him a foothold. Don't give him a, a foothold. That's what it's doing. Many of you know we have a hog farm. It's like a greased pig you can't get him so i just want god to anoint you with oil and just grease you down and and as you as you repent as you ask for forgiveness as you change the way you look at those things and say wait a minute that is not that's not me your identity is who sh- who you are in christ not what you do for a living that's wonderful or what some 7th grade school teacher or some professor at college tried to tell you you weren't contradictory to god's Designed for your life. That's not what you are. You're a child of the most high God. You're a king. You're a priest. And you can operate that way. Even today. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. What's God doing in this moment? Can you release it? Can you release it? Can you release it? Let it go. 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 Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. You guys all right? Everybody look at me a moment. The pastor this morning when he shared about his, his good friend that had passed away, we prayed in the kitchen at our house. And we also said, you know what? Sometimes death is a difficult thing to handle, but it's like uh, sweet and sour. It may be sour, it's difficult to handle, but then the sweet part is he goes home to be with Jesus. And it's part of that, you know what I mean? Death is actually part of life, hello, hello. It's a, it's a transfer of where he's at to where we are. I began to start thinking about kingdom and kingdom economics, and I realized that's part of the kingdom. That's part of the kingdom and kingdom economics. Kingdom economics is is having faith. Kingdom economics is loving. Keeping it. Kingdom economics is hope. Can I say can we say hope with me? Hope. Come on, everybody. Hope. That's kingdom economics. That's what we operate in. That's how the kingdom of God operates. Real quick, we're going to close today. And anybody feel like the weight came off? Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise for that. I was like removing those bis- burdens, destroying those yokes. Hey, here's here's a thought for kingdom economics. Jesus said, My burden is what? Light and my yoke is so if you got anything other than a light burden and an easy yoke, that's not God. You should be able to walk with a little pep in your step. Amen. I know we've got some kids and got some pressure. I'm gonna have I wanna I wanna give you an opportunity. I wanna sow a seed. In the pastor's ministry. So I'm gonna have the ushers come, if you will. They're just gonna to pass today. Part of life is that seed that you have in your hand and releasing that seed. I, I I have heard the saying, if you have a need, sow a seed. But you have to sow a seed with the right attitude and the right motive. Hello? I sow a seed to release it to God. So I just am asking you if you if you if you want to write a check, you can make it to LWF. We'll bless Pastor with that. But we're gonna sow a seed into the ministry that God has, into life changing lives, life changer church, right? And changing lives throughout countries and nations. So I just I'm just asking you to to give as the Lord leads. I sowed a seed one time and it broke something off my life. I sowed a seed one time, oh, come on, and it broke something off my life. I'm just going to ask you to give. We're going to let the ushers just pass. If you will just stand today, we're going to be dismissed. How many of you? Oh, you know, Susan, we serve a, a great God. pastor had talked a little bit about what he was going to preach, and it wasn't that. And, I, and I, I was like, God, I, I want to hear this testimony. I want to hear the healing. This is, I was petitioning the Lord in the morning, you know what I mean, saying, do this. And I went into the praise and worship team, and I said, I may have you guys come up. And, the, they, you know, I was like, I really don't know what he's going to preach on. I knew what he told me, but that wasn't what I had in my spirit. And you were well obedient to hear the Lord this morning and release that. Could, would you just put your hand to the air to the Lord this morning? Say, I receive everything that God has for me. I receive peace, I receive faith, I receive hope, I receive God's love. I receive God's love. I receive forgiveness. I release those around me. I release those things in my life that have held me back. Now, I receive a new season. I receive a new era (laughs) in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give him some praise in the house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You go forth in His power and His might. You guys are released to go and live godly lives. We'll see you Wednesday night. God bless you. If you don't have a church home, we'd love to have you. We have prayer over here. If you need prayer today, we release you to go and be the blessing to others around your life. God bless. Thank you so much for being part today.